You can be seated. Well, here we are again. Glory to God. Well, Keith said to tell you, thank you for your prayers. He could feel them. And uh, it's been a full two weeks. But they're doing well. They're doing well. And so uh, I think it's going really, really well. I think they're about finished with the ground school part. And if you know what that means, they're finished with the book part. So next week comes the work. So uh, all the engines fail and all the knobs break and everything that happens, happens. So um, they will know what to do. So um, uh, they'll get it. But um, I was going to tell you this too. Mike wasn't here to stand, but it was his birthday in the middle of all that. So yeah, so uh, he's having a happy birthday. He'll get to celebrate. I told Keith we'd celebrate mine when he got back. So we'll celebrate Mike's when he gets back too. So I'm sure Sharon and Mike will celebrate his. Okay, so let's see. I had a couple of things here written down. Uh, let's see. Um, I noticed uh, we had Brandy this time doing the veterans thing. We had... Uh, Edward last time doing it, and he was in the Army, and now we had the Navy. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll maybe have them all before it's all over with. So if you've got your uniform, you should let you should let Craig or Rob know, and, and we'll maybe get to use you sometime. I think it's a great thing to use the different ones, don't you? Don't you like that? I think it's great that we can involve everybody. Okay, so um, we're going to go on with what we were talking about last week. And I'm going to go ahead and read from that book again, because how many of you remember everything it said? No. <laughs> Anybody? No. Um, Brother Hagen used to say this. I have a photogenic memory. You didn't get it. I have a photogenic memory. That means he's got a good-looking memory. It takes a good picture. Do you get it? He always got it wrong, you know, but he didn't care. He liked to say it. So I think he did it just to irritate people. So we're, if you knew Brother Hagen, I got along with him really well because we were both very ornery. The first time I met him... Um, I put ice down his back and he bit me. Well, no, that was the second time. The second time. The first time I met him, we were sitting at a big, long banquet table. And all of a sudden, I kept seeing these English peas come flying across the table. And I knew the only people sitting down from us was next to Keith and I was Patsy. And I knew she wasn't doing it because it was too close. But then down at the end of the table was Mom Hagen and Brother Hagen. But these English peas kept hitting me in the hair. And I could not figure out where they were coming from. And all of a sudden, I saw him shooting English peas at me. Brother Hagen. You had to know him. He didn't, most people didn't know him that well, but I got to know him pretty well. And uh, he was honorary as I am. So, you know, I, we got along really, really well. So it was, there was this one lady. I'll tell you the story, then we'll go on. There was this one lady, um, one of the board members' wives. Um, one day she was with him, and uh, she was honorary like me. And uh, they were fussing about something, and um, she came up, and she hit him pretty hard on the arm. You know, because he was mean. He, she, he pinched her like he did me. I mean, if you ever saw it, he'd take the back skin. I won't do it to anybody because it hurts really bad and you'll cry. And uh, he'd take the back, and he would never do it to Keith. He would just do it to me. 
And he'd do it in front of people so they wouldn't know what was going on. And he'd take the back of your arm and pinch it really, really hard, and it would draw a blue place and sometimes blood even. And, and I'd hit my knees, and I'd go, ooh. And he'd say, Keith, can't you make her behave? <laughs> and he'd only do it when the people around him were really tense. And he'd do it to make people relax a little bit. Well, he did this to her one time, and she turned around for she thought and whacked him really hard. <laughs> I mean, she just whacked him really hard. So that night for the service, he came in in a sling. <laughs> and so Joan thought, she thought, oh, my word, what did I do? You know, she didn't, she, he said, yeah, he said, uh, Joan hit me. She's sitting right there on the front. Joan hit me and broke my arm today. You know, and tears are just rolling down her face, you know, to the whole crowd, you know, because he, he'd pick on me like that in the service. He'd pick on her, and I thought, Brother Hagen was ornery. Most people didn't know it, but he was really, really ornery, you know, but most people didn't get to see that side of him. And oftentimes I wish people would have been able to see that side of him, you know, because he was very, very ornery. Let's read his book. Give him a little honor here instead of that side of it. But, you know, he, he was fun. And if you knew him very well, he loved life because it was precious to him. You know, a lot of people don't enjoy life because they don't value it. Do you understand what I'm saying? He valued every day that he lived because he was told he couldn't live. And he valued it. And he enjoyed it. And he didn't let the little things in life get him down. Or even the big ones. He'd just turn them over to the Lord. So... He, he was a good man. He was like, the, very few people in your life will you ever see that's like this. No matter what was going on, and I saw him through a lot of things, he was like this. No matter what was going on. Like that. Like that. How many of us can say we're like that all the time, no matter what's going on? That shows you a spiritual person. They're like that. My husband's a lot like that. Just, you know, he's like that. You know, we, one time we had a, we had a, a incident in the airplane. And there was a guy that was supposed to be training him. It was a severe incident. It's been years and years ago. And he was supposed to be training him. And it was, most people say, most people never go through this. It's, it's called a rapid decompression in the airplane. You know, Payne Stewart? I was a huh? I was a flight attendant. You were a flight attendant? Yeah. yeah. Rapid decompression in an airplane. It's when all of the oxygen goes out of the airplane instantaneously and people die instantaneously. We had one of those in the airplane years ago. And uh, the other pilot just totally he He lost it. He lost it. Keith just stayed like this. And that's what saved us. It's totally what saved us. Keith just grabbed his oxygen mask. He put the oxygen mask on the other guy. That's what saved us. In life, 
so many times what saves you is not panicking. And the way you hear from the Lord is not panicking. It's just being calm. Just totally go, okay, Lord, what? What? That's the way Brother Hagen was. That's, thank God that's the way my husband is. We'll get to it here in a second. You ready? All right. Okay. It says, Brother Hagen's book, in case, how many were not here last week? Good, you get to hear it for the first time. All right, great. Okay, this is Brother Hagen's book, Zoom. Let me ask you a question. How many of you got online and ordered the book? Oh, I love you. Stand up. Stand up. Oh, look at these people that want to know how to be led really bad. How many of you already have the book? Stand up. Oh, oh. Oh, okay. How many of you actually looked at the book? Sit down if you didn't. Uh-huh. Okay, look at this. Oh, I love you all. Okay, sit down. Oh, we have the best people in the whole wide world. Send out a memo. We have the best people in the whole wide world. The world. Okay, let's read it again. Okay. The Lord enlightens us and guides us through our spirits. Now, let me clarify something here. We have the Father, God, the Son, Jesus, and what? The Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is not your spirit. Okay? Your spirit is your spirit inside of you. It's your human spirit inside of you. The Holy Spirit communicates with your spirit. Okay? Now, are we clear on that? Okay? It, and it's not a voice. So don't go, at, go seeking after voices. People have lost their minds seeking after voices. You know, I was, I was watching Brother Hagen. Again, the Spirit-led life over the last few weeks. And he was telling the story. How many of you remember the story he told about Mary? One person. Okay, there was this man. And uh, he was in an insane asylum. And he was running up against the wall and butting his head. And he just kept saying, Mary. And he'd butt his head and he'd say, Mary. And he'd butt his head and he'd say, Mary. And he'd butt his head and he'd say, Mary. And, that, and so somebody came along and said, what's wrong with this man? He said, um, he met this woman. He fell in love with her. And... Uh, she ran off with another man, married him, and he can't get her out of his mind. Just kept keep saying, Mary, Mary, Mary. Just lost his mind after she ran off with that other man. Been in here ever since. Just keep saying, Mary, Mary, Mary. So he went down the hall a little ways, ran into another man. He's butting his head up against the wall. He keeps saying, Mary, Mary. Mary, the guy keeps butting his head up against the wall, and he keeps saying, Mary, Mary, Mary. He said, what's wrong with him? He said, he got Mary. (laughs) 
That's kind of what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> Flesh-led or spirit-led? Thinking you want something and getting what you want. Yeah. Wanting Mary and getting Mary. All right. Let's keep reading. All right. Okay, where were we? We need to become more conscious of the fact that we're spirit beings and not just mental or physical beings. We need to train our spirits so that they will become safer and safer guides. Can you train your spirit? Evidently so. One thing which has held back the Christian world as a whole is that we're more physical conscious, body conscious, more mental conscious, soul conscious, than we are spirit conscious. We've developed the body, we've developed the soul or the mind, but we've left out the spirit man. We've left him almost untouched. I have a cassette teaching tape which has helped many Christians in this area. In one of our meetings, one young man I know quite well gave his testimony on how it helped him. Just a few years ago, when he was 31 or 32, he went into business. And he left his salary job with a total of $5,500. He was single at the time. And he had used this money for living expenses as well as capital. At one point, his nest egg dwindled to $50. He gave this testimony. I listened to Brother Hagen's tapes. There were three on faith and confession, and one called How to Train the Human Spirit. I went to bed listening every night to the tape. I put it on in the morning, and I listened to it while I shaved. I listened over and over and over again, probably hundreds of times, until I got that message in my spirit. Then by listening to my spirit, my spirit, say my spirit, my spirit. And using my faith, my assets now total in excess of $30 million. This young man is only about 38 years old now. He's not a preacher. He's a businessman. And he's told me how his spirit has spoken to him and how he has invested to buy land. I will give the essence of the teaching that's contained on the cassette. One, by meditation in the Word. Two, by practicing the Word. Three, by giving the Word first place in your life. Four, by instantly obeying the voice of your spirit. The most deeply spiritual men and women I know are those who give time to meditation in the Word. You cannot develop spiritual wisdom without meditation. God made that fact known to Joshua just after the death of Moses. At the, at the very beginning of Joshua's ministry, Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night. Thou, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that's written therein. For then 
thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. If God did not want Joshua to be prosperous, why did he tell him how to prosper? If he did not want him to succeed, why did he tell him to have good success? Tell him how to have good success. He wanted Joshua to be successful, and he wants you to be successful. Now, I know we read that the other day, but I just wanted to remind you that God does want you to have those things. But it's the devil's job to do what? To keep you from having those things. But there's something we need to be reminded of. I'm just going to read you a couple of verses, and then we're going to go, of course, into just talking about some things. I want to read you this verse. Put up Matthew... Matthew 12:31 and go on through 32 while we're reading it in the King James version. Wherefore, I say unto you, say this with me, all manner of sin. All manner of sin. Is that all everything? All manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. But blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. The next verse. And whosoever shall speak a word against... What does that say? Whoever shall speak against Jesus, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever shall speak against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world or in the world to come. Is the Holy Spirit important? Jesus can be talked about and blasphemed. Now, how many people would think it was the other way around? How many people, if you would have just been asked that, if somebody would have stopped you on the street and said, if you blaspheme against Jesus, before I just read that to you, we'll be honest, and said, if you blaspheme against Jesus... Will you be forgiven? How many of you will raise your hand and say, I would have said, you won't be forgiven? Honestly, how many of you would have said you wouldn't be forgiven if you blasphemed against Jesus? Okay? How many of you would have said if you blasphemed against the Holy Ghost, you wouldn't be forgiven? Most people didn't know that. Or the Holy Spirit. It's vital that we understand the importance of Jesus, but it's also vital that we understand the importance of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Or why would God have put such an important verse in the Bible? You never want to talk down the Holy Spirit. I've said this before and I'll say it again. I asked Keith one day, I said, I know this sounds bad, 
But wouldn't it be bad to think you loved the Holy Spirit sometimes more than you love Jesus? I know I don't, but I, you know, I just know He helps me so much every single day. I know every minute of the day, I would just be in a mess without Him. I mean, every minute of every single day. But today I want us to talk about being flesh-led or being spirit-led and how to distinguish between the two. How many of you remember when Jesus was filled with the Spirit? Who baptized Him? John baptized Him. And what happened? I want to see if y'all remember these things. There's no need us going over everything. Holy Spirit came down in the form of a dove. And Jesus was filled with the Spirit. Matthew 3. What happened in Matthew 4? Immediately after he was filled with the Spirit... Say that with me. Immediately after after. he was filled with the Spirit, he was was led into the wilderness wilderness. and tempted. So do you reckon if the devil will tempt Jesus who came in the form of a man and live just like you and I, that he would tempt you. That he would tempt you in the same ways he tempted Jesus. I know you've heard bits and pieces of this story through the years, but I'll tell you a little bit of detail about it. You know the story about, we call it the Yellow Ribbon Theater because it was Tony Orlando's theater in Branson. When Keith and I um, first started, we we talked to Brother Hagen and we were going to step out basically on our own, really on our own. And the Lord directed us to go to Branson. We didn't know. And here's the thing with your spirit, man. You can sense things with your spirit that you don't have a clue with your head. And if you try to figure it out with your head, you'll miss it. All we knew was that we were supposed to go to Branson. We had no clue of anything else. Now, if we would have tried to put our own interpretation on it, we would have blew it big time. Okay? We knew we were supposed to go to Branson. So we went to Branson. And Keith held up in the condo while I went to look for what we thought were offices in Branson. I went out every day just like it was a job. I'd get up in the morning. I'd get dressed. I'd go research every place in town. I went small, I went big. I researched everything, trying to see what seemed right 
in here. Not going by here. What seemed right in here? Now, at the time that we were doing that, if you'll recall, now you have to listen carefully or you'll miss something. If you'll recall, what were we doing up until that point? Traveling with Brother Hagen, not doing our own stuff, not bringing in much income. Do you recall that part? How many of you recall that part? How many of you let it register on your mind? Huh? Really register on your mind. That you left there. But you had been traveling with them. You're not saving a bunch of money. We had a staff. I don't remember how many we had at that time. Devin, where's Devin? He's up there. Somebody radio, let, let him tell you how many came. It was probably a dozen, two dozen. I don't remember that we had at that time. Devin wasn't on staff at that time, but he came to help us move. Yeah, we had at least that many at that time. That we that moved with us seemed like it was a dozen, if I counted. I, I would sit here as Karen and Jan and and Todd and and Wit and uh, I can't remember who all it was. It was seemed like okay, and then um, um, Steve. Did I count him already? Anyway, doesn't matter. But we were paying all their salaries. And Steve Muth and Becky, yeah, I forget who all it was. Anyway, we had, um, and all of them were basically still with us, most all of them. Um, and they all just loaded up everything they had. Half of them moved into one condo because they were coming with us. It was ministry. And... We had hardly nothing. But I went and I walked into the yellow ribbon. I remember doing it. I remember the owner, one of the owners. I can call his name. He knows the story. He was the one doing it. Mr. Dan Ruda was there with me. And I was standing on the platform. And I knew that I knew this was our place. We had nothing. I'll skip ahead just a little bit about they worked a deal with us. The Lord dealt with them. First they said no, but then they worked a deal with us where they gave us a lease purchase agreement. The Lord kept them up all night long. He called me like at 6 the next morning and said, come to breakfast. We want to work something out for y'all. Just supernatural. Dan and his three other investors. Or two other investors. So we went to breakfast with them. And um, so we had a year, basically, to come up with the money to buy that theater. Now, this is the part that you don't know, that I haven't really shared with a lot of people. 
During that time, there were some people going around. Now, how bad was I needing money? How much pressure are you under if you need money within a year? Do you feel a little bit of pressure? We had already decided we were not going to... They wanted our board to sign off on it. They want, they, you know, banks were requiring certain things. And you know the story how I went down the line and I said, I went to this bank. They said, no, I went to this bank. They said, no, you remember that story? I said, I went to this bank. They said, no, 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 I bet I went. I mean, I just kept on going and they just kept on saying, no, all this was happening during that year's time. You remember that story? Went to that bank, they said no. 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 Well, during that time, pressure's on. Well, out of the blue, these people came in. And they said, the Lord has dealt with us. That we are supposed to help buy churches for pastors. What an answer to prayer. What an answer to prayer. They'd already done it for a couple of the churches in town. What an answer to prayer. I mean, you talk about a weight off my shoulders. Keith's gone about half the time anyway. I'm there having to deal with all this stuff. What an answer to prayer. Right? Seem like it? Yes or no? Raise your hand. Yes? Raise your hand. Answer to prayer. Raise your hand. Don't waver, yes or no. Don't you got to vote on one, yes or no? Don't waver, yes or no. No, raise your hand. That's you're not. Some of you ain't voting. That's cheating. That's cheating. Left me hanging. Left me hanging. This is when you thank the Lord for the Holy Ghost. One Sunday, I'm up there speaking. You know me, it was even worse then than it is now. And this woman comes up at the end of the service, and this man comes up at the end of the service. He's Rob's size, or bigger. Don't you know? You're going to let this church fold because you don't have the money? Don't you know we've got it sitting right here for you? All you have to do is say yes. I mean, I just got done speaking. Don't you know? We're your answer. Don't you know? We've got the money. We can just write you a check. 
to solve all your problems. And it just, I mean, like a roaring lion up inside of me before I could even think about it. I said, you're not our source. You're not our source. You're not our source. I was talking to Dave about this last week or so because I had intended on getting on this last week. You're not our source. And he helped me to remember every one of those churches are closed now. They kicked every one of the pastors out. And every one of them are closed. Now, it's easy for everybody to sit here right now and say, yeah, that wasn't the Lord. But you got to understand, I'm just a measly little blonde girl that's never had to deal with this before. And these people are Christian people. And I know who they are. And I know they have the means to do this. And if I called their name, you'd know who they were. And they definitely had the means to do it. And seemed like a real deal. No interest, no strings, just going to give me the money. Does that sound like something the devil did with Jesus? Let me tell you something. How do you separate flesh-led and spirit-led? One of the first ones. If it seems too good to be true... Most often, it's too good to be true. God is never going to give one person the glory for something that happens in your life. And do you remember that testimony a while back? This woman was telling about how she got in debt and she kept looking for one person to come up and pay off her stuff. And she realized... That that wasn't it. It was her sowing and giving and then it started all coming in and, and she got free. Do you remember that testimony? So many times people are looking for the quick relief thing. And that's not the way God works. Do you know God could get you out of debt? Snap for me. (laughs) Just that quick? 
But God's more interested in helping the people that would be involved than He is just getting you out of debt. I know during COVID, how many of you remember COVID? We kept getting calls from one of the guys that does our taxes. And he kept saying, you need to file for that PPE stuff. I said, I called his name and I said, look, we ain't lost a dime. As a matter of fact, we're higher than we were. Why would I lie to the IRS? How many of you have heard stories about people that's lied to the IRS? Now they're in jail. The devil is the master of the setup and the dangling the carrot out in front of you. He's the master of distractions from what path God has you on. And he's the master of the quick fix. God is the master of seek ye first. And if you're on the seek ye first, you have to be very, very careful about this thing that's called, watch me now, selfishness, stinginess, where you get your mind on what's about you instead of what God has you on. Every time, say that word with me. Every time. God has blessed me every time with big wads of cash, big blessings. I wasn't looking for them. You remember my Bentley? How many of you remember my Bentley? Somebody asked me the other night at the thing. He said, Phil, don't tell them that. They'll think that I took it from you. I've driven my Bentley once or twice. My husband has really enjoyed my Bentley. (laughs) But I love my husband. We're in covenant. If I see something of his I want, I take it. (laughs) I'm not confused about what covenant is. I had never been. He gets a nice jacket I like. It's mine. There's no confusion about it. I got something he likes. He takes it. There's no confusion about covenants between us. I've seen people that go to a restaurant. Now, I kid you not. They're sitting there eating, and if their spouse tries to get something off their plate, they give them the snarl. I've seen it so much. I'll give my husband my whole plate. They make it... They make more every day. I mean, there is nothing 
him. He's a priority to me. If he needs something, I drop what I'm doing and I put him first. If he calls and he needs something, I get it for him. Amy's helped me the last three days. By the time they get to their room, they have food sitting there waiting for them. I don't forget that he's gone. I don't act like a single woman when he's gone. I'm not out looking for things. I'm not going to get pedicures and facials and partying and doing things while he's gone. Looking for things to do while he's gone. i got a job to do. He's number one. And if you don't have somebody else that's number one in your life that you're listening to continuously, you're not going to listen to the Holy Spirit. The reason people can't hear the Holy Spirit is because they don't listen to the Lord at all because they don't listen to the people that the Lord has put in their lives. I know I've told people just this week, just the last two weeks, I've said, do this. Didn't get done. I've said, do this. Didn't get done. I've said, do this. Didn't get done. I've said, do this. It didn't get done. How many times do you think the Holy Spirit's going to tell you something? When Keith tells me to do something, how quickly do you think I do it? I drop what I'm doing. I've got witnesses all over this place. People that are around me 24-7. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. It doesn't matter if I'm studying for a sermon. It doesn't matter if I'm getting ready to preach. I'll say, Dan, you get up there and hold him off. Rob, you, you, i got to take care of this for him. You say, well, that's just... Nobody can do that. Depends on your priorities. I'm a blessed girl. Keith, don't ask me to do that. Never ask me to do that. I like being blessed. I like when the Holy Spirit tells me something, I immediately, without hesitation, I do it. Whether I like it or I don't. See how quiet it got in here? Now, everybody likes the fun part where the Holy Spirit tells us we're going to get $30 million. But in order to get there, you got to learn to listen. you got to learn to hear. Just the other day, I told somebody to do something. And they, they basically, no, no. No. But what they don't realize is they're overriding their own heart. And then they feel bad about it. And then when the Holy Spirit tries to tell them something, they're going, no, no, no. Give me something I like. Do you understand? The Holy Spirit is, is not accommodating to us. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
he, he doesn't tell us things that will make us feel good. He doesn't tell us things that we're going to like to do. He didn't say, Phil, do you think you would like to get up and speak this morning? How would you like that? Huh? Yeah, you think you'd enjoy that? And, and understand me on this. The getting up in front of people is definitely not... Mm, see, I'm word this properly and carefully not to make a bad confession. Has not been my favorite joy in life. Helping people is my number one joy. So there's a difference between the two. If I can help you to overcome something to where you don't fall into a trap and the devil steal your house. Do you understand? Where somebody comes up and says, I will refinance your house and get you an interest rate of 2% instead of 9% if you'll do this. It's a good deal. And they're your friend. I know when we first started at Rayma, there was this insurance guy. He was going around and every person we knew got involved with him. Every person we knew. And this was when we first, we didn't have any money, so there was no way we were getting involved with it. But we just watched all of our friends lose all the money they had because they knew this man. And they trusted him. But the Lord is not going to, he's, he's not going to slap you in the face and say, don't do that. No. He's going to tell you on the inside, wait. Amen. In that still small voice, wait. But if you didn't listen to him when he told you to wait and not eat that other piece of pie... Or wait and not talk to your wife that way or your husband that way. We want to hear the Holy Spirit. We want to work with Him. We want to do what He says. And He will make us multimillionaires and He'll give us great inventions of witty things. You know, Keith tells the story. And we were very, very, very young spiritually. And if I called the minister's names that got involved with it, this is another story. They were investing heavily. And we gathered up all the money that we had because we thought, man, this sounds good. And the Lord told Keith to ask him one question. And he asked the question. And then we started praying, and the Lord said, You have no reason to trust them. What reason have you got to trust them? I didn't tell you anything about them. Why should you trust them? We've been around long enough to know. There's a lot of people that want to do business dealings. And they'll come to us. And they'll ask us, should we do this business deal? 
And, and we do. We want to help them any way that we can because a lot of them are our friends or people that are our partners or people that we really, really, really care about. But you don't have enough information to give them. They give you in one little short sentence what they've been working on for two or three or five years. And they want you to give them a spot answer. What do you tell them? What would, what would you tell them? They already know be led. They already know pray about it. They already know what have you heard. They want you to tell them what to do. Now, why is that? Because they trust that we will hear from the Lord. Why will they trust that we will hear from the Lord? Because they've seen it. They've seen it. But what do we have to do to hear from the Lord? And it's not just, he's saying spend time and that, that's a good point. You have to meditate, you have to do things. But more than just spending time, you have to do it. You have to do it. Just a couple of weeks ago, this is a very good example. I'm trying to give you some natural examples of things. Just a couple of weeks ago. Oh, it was during week of increase. You know, I, I, I have a tendency, have had a tendency, I'm believing God to get better. I'm believing God that, as you probably have seen, Tom hasn't been around. So I'm believing God for the right person to fill that place. The right person. Don't send me resumes and don't send me stuff. Because Tom filled a lot of shoes. Okay, so anyways. So during week of increase, I had an opportunity to really get quiet. I make sure I do during that week. It doesn't matter if the sky is falling almost. I'm going to get quiet during meetings. So I was being real quiet, and the Lord said, you need to flip-flop the fall socials because Keith and them need to leave that Sunday afternoon immediately after church from Sarasota. So as you notice, we flip-flop the fall socials, right? So immediately I called the guys, and I said, um, gently... Because they'd been working on it for a while. I said, we need to do this. And immediately I got, oh, but we got the tents and oh, we, we got this. I said, uh, guys, we, we need to do this. You know, you need to make an effort, you know, to do this. Now, it would have been real easy for me when I heard their answers to do what? Keep it like it was. Because I love them. And I know how much work they put into it. I care about them. And I knew Carrie and Patty and Shireen and all the different ones, you know, Amy. And everybody had put a lot of work into getting these set up. It takes a lot of work. You were there. It takes a lot of work. But either... I go and ask a bunch of people their opinions. Huh? 
Huh? I go ask my pastor and I go ask my mom and dad and I go ask my best friend. And every time I do that, I get a different opinion. Or I trust the Lord and what I got on the inside. And I trusted him and I said, no, let's do it. Let's swap them. Well, let me tell you what happened. Branson, put Branson on the screen. Branson, what happened the next Friday night that y'all were supposed to have the fall show? So show me with your hands what happened. Rain and rain and rain and rain and rain and cold and rain and cold. They're all going like this. I didn't have to question it. The next Friday night that we were supposed to have the fall social there, it was raining and it was cold and it would have been absolutely miserable in Branson, but it was beautiful the night we had it there. And it was beautiful here the night we had it here. It pays to be led. It pays great dividends to stop and be led. But you have to start with small things. The Holy Spirit is going to lead you with small things to begin with. And the devil is not going to tempt you with big things to begin with. He's not going to tempt you with go rob a bank. Do you understand that? He's not going to tempt you with go rob a bank because he don't think you're going to go rob a bank. And most of you, he's not going to tempt you with beat your wife or he's not going to tempt you with rape your kids or he's not going to tempt you with things that he knows you're not going to do. But he will tempt you with tell a lie. Or he will tempt you with do little things that you know in your heart is not right. Miss Church. Because he starts with little things that start pulling you away from hearing from the Holy Spirit. And then you have to watch what that verse says. I don't care what the Holy Spirit says. How close is that to blasphemy? How close is that to blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? I don't have to listen to the Holy Spirit. I'm going to do what I want to do. How close is that to blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Now, we can put up with, I mean, the Lord will put up with us being upset with Jesus and blaspheming Jesus. God forbid we do that. But, but, we got to watch. We got to be very, very, very careful about blaspheming the Holy Spirit and just refusing the Holy Spirit and disregarding the Holy Spirit. See how quiet it got in here? 
Now, God knows our ignorance, and He's not going to hold things against us. But how many of us could step up in the department of listening to the Holy Spirit? You know, there's people watching out there. The Lord's been dealing with them for how long to get back in church? Amen. The, well, I say the Lord, their spirit. Let's, let's start wording it right. Our spirits deal with us about doing stuff. Our spirits have been dealing with us about getting back in church. Now, you have to override what your spirit is telling you. You have to override what's going on in your spirit to ignore it. Now, when the spirit tells you and you're asking, should we do this investment? How do you know if you're being led or not? Or how do we know we're about to lose our shirt? Call your mother, yeah. (laughs) How do you know? So oftentimes, it's about the motive. So oftentimes, it's about what is this going to accomplish in your life? So oftentimes, it's about this man, and I told you this last week. I I hope you were listening. I know him. His motive was to support ministries, and he did it, I I think he's still alive, doing it all the days of his life. Giving large sums to the ministry. God doesn't mind us prospering. He does mind us putting it before Him. Amen. He does mind us taking it, taking our minds and our thoughts away from Him. And if it's going to take you away from Him, then you want to look at it. If it's going to give you more time to spend with Him, then you need to start doing this. You're listening carefully. It's just like going to the doctor. You take a tiny step. If that feels good, you go forward. You take another tiny, say that word with me, tiny, tiny step. You check inside. If it feels good, you go ahead. But the minute you get something on the inside that goes, you remember that story I told you last week when you did something wrong? How you feel? Or when you drop something in the grocery store and something on the inside of you says pick it up and you don't? And you go, ugh. Well, that same feeling on the inside of you will go, ugh. Don't override it. Because here's the thing, guys. The Lord is for you. The Holy Spirit is for you. 
He's not trying to keep anything away from you that will help you. Amen. Say, the Lord is for me. Jesus is for me. The Holy Spirit is for me. They're not trying to keep anything away from me. That's going to help me. So if you get an ugh or a ugh in your spirit, you need to stop and stop now. It doesn't matter if you're sitting at the table to close on it. It doesn't matter if you're with your best friend and you've made commitments. It doesn't matter what you've done. It could save your hide down the road. It doesn't matter where you are in the process. The minute that you get that, ugh, I don't feel good about this anymore. you got to stop. Because the Lord wouldn't give you that unless it was going to hurt you. Now here's the deal. Our flesh is strong. I remember a time in my life. I remember, now hold on to your chairs, when Keith and I first got married. Go get the marriage tapes. It was not good. It was not good. And my flesh wanted to call it quits. Big time. Because I was raised by a mom that ran our house. And he was raised by a dad that ran his house. Exactly. (laughs) And I've said it before. It was like taking two wild cats and tying their tails together and putting them on a clothesline. And I knew nothing about the Word. I didn't respect the Word. I didn't respect the things of God. He didn't know enough about the Word in these areas. Neither one of us did. And we were kids. You have to understand, we were 17 years old. Two days out of high school. But there came a time in my life where I knew inside of me my spirit man knew not to leave. Now my flesh was screaming so loud almost had to put mufflers on my ears. And this is what I said. I said, Lord, I'm going to do this for you. Because I love you. And do you know when I did that, our lives changed in an instant. 
in an instant. And anybody in here, anybody in Branson, anybody on the Internet that's willing to give up anything their flesh wants for the Lord, He is going to honor them. And He's going to do things for them that they, they don't even know. Our lives changed. Our, our marriage changed. Our ministry changed. Everything about us changed. We're so blessed. But you've got to be willing to do it for Him. You've got to be willing to sacrifice your Isaacs. Whether it's your money, your marriage, your kids, whatever it is. And you got to say, I'm not going to fight about that anymore. I'm not going to fight about money. I'm not going to fight about kids. I'm not going to fight about jobs. I'm not going to fight about this so that I can hear the Holy Spirit. You got to decide what's important to you then you won't have to ask anybody, is this the Lord or not? You'll know. Mm. You'll know. Because He's so good and He's so merciful. I look back and I take full responsibility for... like an alley cat. Because I didn't know any better. I didn't know any better. And God had mercy on me. And He'll have mercy on you. Because that's who He is. And He loves us. And He cares about us. And everything in our lives, He wants to take us up to another level so He can show us how to close the door on that forever. He wants it gone forever. You know, He wants to fix it forever. No matter if it's drugs, no matter if it's alcohol, no matter if it's family, no matter if you're... There's people, they refused, like he said, ask his mother. They refused to quit asking their mother. (laughs) They're 60 years old and they got to call their mother about everything. Dear Lord, when are you going to ask the Lord? (laughs) You know, I loved my mother and my dad. But when I got married, I quit asking them. I asked the Lord and my husband. You, you know, you gotta, you got to decide who, how the structure is in your home. you got to decide who the head is. It's just like I screamed at that person. You're not my source. you got to scream it in your home. You're not my head. To your mother. <laughs> if you're over, if you're married, you got to decide. Because Brother Hagen used to say it all the time: anything with two heads is a freak. <laughs> it's the truth. You ever been to those carnivals where they used to show those two-headed, two-headed people? That was a carnival freak show. Anything with two heads is a freak. Don't go to your mother. Don't go to your best friend and tell her, 
Women. We hadn't had a marriage meeting in a while, so I just spit it out. Don't call your best friend and tell her about your personal life. That's unfaithfulness. It's unfaithfulness. Men, zip it. Zip it. Quit talking about people. If God can't trust you, He's not going to use you. Now write that down. If you ever wrote down anything I said, write that down. I don't usually tell you to write something down, but write it down. If God can't trust you, He won't use you. He won't give you stuff. He won't prosper you. If He can't trust you, He won't use you. And I want everybody in these rooms and on the Internet to be used. So if you've got to do like I did my marriage... And say, Lord, I'll do it for you. Get in your closet and do whatever it takes to get some things fixed. Get it to where you can hear from the Lord. We've got teenagers that can hear from the Lord better than some adults. Because I've told them, when you do something wrong during the daytime, what do you do? You repent. You get on your bed at night and lay on your pillow and you say, Lord... I'm sorry. Forgive me. That's all it takes. Because guess what? You know a secret? Tell you a real big secret. Don't tell anybody. The Lord already knows what you did. And it's much easier to repent and get it right. I don't care. Garrison, stand up. Y'all saw him on that Friday night? Garrison knows. Me and Garrison was in youth together. We had our problems together. I love that child just like he was my own. And it'll make me cry if I start thinking about it. It'll make him cry if he starts thinking about it. He went through hell and back. But you see where he is today. Amen. God don't care about what you did. He cares about what you do. Do you understand that? He don't care about what you did five minutes ago. He cares about what you do five minutes from now. And he wants to fill your spirit with the answers. He wants to give you the answers. But the only reason you wouldn't get them is because your head is condemned with what you did five minutes ago. That's right. That's it. That's why I cover these things, because I know the devil. Do you think if Jesus would have done those things, he would have had any confidence going forward? That's the only reason the devil does what he does. Is to steal our confidence. So fix it. Repent at night. How many of you don't think the Lord knows what you did? (laughs) 
Anybody? On the internet out there. <laughs> y'all look at them. Turn around and look at them. How many of y'all think the Lord don't know what you did? <laughs> How many of you will tonight lay your head on your pillow and repent so you can hear from the Lord? Stand up with me. Stand up with me.